Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Medics assemble! Vedic Collinson. Vedic Smart. And I'm Vedic Lasagna, and this is. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do it, and it still got me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Wow. Yes, I'm Vedic Lasagna. Welcome, everyone, to the Vedic Assembly. We're already just falling apart. Uh, this is, of course, your Deep Space Nine podcast on the Hollow Sweet Media Network. <laughs> and... Um, Wow, this is just going to be how it is the rest of the time. Better to have the giggles than to be crabby. Am I right? Am mm-hmm. I right? Sure, how bad it was on Okay. <laughs> sounds so international, right? Like, mysterious. Does this mean that the prophets are like little pasta men in the wormhole? <laughs> in the wormhole. <sighs> Well, I would hope that they're like like all the same kind of pasta. You need to have some variety. <laughs> so like this one's angel hair and this one is penne and this one's sorry. Hi Tacletelli. <laughs> <laughs> Got the bigger Tony hanging out the back. <laughs> the par wraiths are basically spaghetti. Oh, this is why I love podcasting with you guys. <laughs> Just you raise my spirits Aww. every time. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, after okay, what we now... subjected the listeners to in the last episode, we put out. I mean, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what we're really like. Mm. And yet they're still here. They're still listening. So thanks for that. <laughs> we will see the drop off when we get the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. We will see. Oh boy! Also, happy New Year. Uh, yes, happy, happy New, New Year, year to everyone. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys have a good New Year? I did. I didn't do much for. Sorry, there's a kookaburra out. A cockatoo outside, <laughs> shrieking. <Ooh. laughs> I uh, didn't do much for New Year's itself, but uh, yesterday I, uh, we did the the two hour drive down to uh, a little town called Wanthaggy near the beach to visit uh, my best mate, uh, my friend. We've been friends with since we were about ten years old, so it's always great when we get to hang out. Um, he's been uh, doing a lot of home brewing recently, so we uh, we we tried uh, a fair amount of uh, his uh, the Cat A Nine Ales Pale Ale that he made and. Uh, and and a fair bit of Dickens cider as well that he that he made. So uh, <laughs> just a, a good time was had by all. 
you guys have ruined me for Dickens cider. <laughs> you really have. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. How was your New York Leo? Um I know it wasn't. It wasn't the best it wasn't you. great. Uh and died on the thirtieth my time, twenty ninth UK mm-hmm. time. Pretty shit. And just to say fuck you to everyone who's persisted on making COVID last longer than it has because it meant that we could not go over to the UK to actually say goodbye properly. So fuck you all. That's all I wanted to say to that. New Year's Eve was pretty good. Mum came round um, and Dad to Jordan's place. We played pool. It, then she had to go on FaceTime with my uncle while he tried finding her will. So that was an interesting experience at 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Mm. Um, oh. And then pretty much went to bed at about 10 past 12. That's fair. And what about you, Vedic Lasagna? Did you have a nice pasta-filled <laughs> New Year? Um, We actually recorded an episode of What the Future Holds because that was Disco Day up in this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was actually lovely to spend part of our evening doing that because, you know, we just love talking about Star Trek with our friends and that's why i do so many fucking podcasts you guys (laughs) (laughs) because i just love talking about star trek with my friends and uh after that we kind of just uh chilled for a while and dave was like uh it was about 11 30 and he was like oh i'm I'm tired i'm gonna go to bed and i said you're gonna go to bed before (laughs) he said oh oh yeah (laughs) And uh, we had actually been hearing fireworks sporadically since about 7 p.m. And once it hit midnight, the neighborhood went (laughs) absolutely batshit insane with fireworks. It wasn't just the amount of fireworks, but also the whooping and hollering from all of the neighbors as well. And that lasted for about an hour. But honestly, I went to bed at 1230 and I didn't hear anything after that. I was just so tired (laughs) at that point. Because honestly, this year has just, this last year has just worn on me. Mm. And I'm basically, you know, I started it out as like a sharp pencil and then I was worn down to a broken nub by the end of it. So have you sharpened yourself now for 2021? Yeah, I'm I'm working on it. I have to go back to work on Monday and I'm not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Not ready. Yes, I had 11 days off, but it doesn't feel like it. I want to stay home forever mm-hmm. because home is my happy place. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> but I hope everyone out there listening had a good New Year and a safe New Year. And the same thing about Christmas because, you know, we weren't 100% out there for Christmas either mm-hmm. in uh, in my family because my mom is 82 years old and no one is uh, interested in risking her life so we did zoom call on christmas day Mm, that's good yes it's it is good so enough about all of that we're gonna talk about aliens today aliens not not the chest bursting kind or maybe that could be fun (laughs) But we are going to talk about uh, some aliens from Deep Space Nine, some that we've seen a lot of, some maybe that we only saw once, and who we would and would not want to see in modern Trek. 
Yeah, I put it out there on Twitter as to what we should record because I couldn't be bothered thinking of something and just, just thought, why not let Twitter? So thank you to @benmath22 for coming up with this for us. Yeah. Yes, well done. We appreciate that. His, his uh, tweet says, Dr. Culver, which he then did, you know, fix to Culver, was a Bajoran <laughs> in last week's episode of Discovery. I loved it, and it made me realise I missed seeing Bajorans in Trek. Haha, <laughs> what are your favourite DS9 aliens and which do you want to see in modern Trek? So, That's yes. a good tweet. Well, those are two different questions. <laughs> I'm only taking because... the last part of that question. Yeah. Because my favorite aliens may not, may or may not already be represented in modern mm. Trek, and the ones that I would want to see aren't necessarily my favorites, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. yeah. So. Indeed. So, where do we want to start? Who's up first? Well, I'm going to point at Nick. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> He's like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> no, no, that means that I can just say mine and perhaps I have some of the same as you guys and it's, I get to steal them. I thought of a few and first off the bat, like, I wrote down the Dominion and like, I know that that's many different species of part of the Dominion. Oh. <laughs> I would like them in general and even the individual, um, you know, like, especially the Jem'Hadar, I think I would actually really love to see what's going on with them. Either, you know, sort of 20 or so, 25 years after the Dominion War, like the time where Star Trek Picard is set, because I think it would be really cool to see, like, the more recent ramifications of, like, uh, you know, some of the the Jem'Hadar who didn't need to be addicted to Ketrasol White. And they, there was even, like, a really cool reference to that in the um, the What We Left Behind documentary, where they were kind of, like, room-riding a... Um, you know, a season eight pilot where you eventually have Kira, who is now a, a Vedic or even a Kai, preaching the Bajoran faith of the prophets to a group of Jem'Hadar, which is like, oh, that's really cool. And then on top of that, like, what are they all doing, like, 800 years later uh, in the 32nd century where um, Discovery is now set? The Dominion was already, like, a couple thousand years old when we first encountered them. So, like, how are they doing, like, another, like, nearly a thousand years after that? Well, yeah, because the Jem'Hadar are completely created, aren't they? So are the changelings still around to actually be creating them? And we don't even really know how long the changelings naturally live for. We know they live a lot longer than humans. Yeah, I think that seemed to remember them saying something along the lines that the changelings are sort of, well, they're not outside of time, but they're also not exactly one entity in their own right. Yeah. Like one person of a changeling, once it goes back into the Great Link, isn't physically like the same when it comes back out again, even though like the thoughts are still there or something. It was very complex to what I was when I was trying to understand it, but... Um, that would be actually really cool if you could see the Jem'Hadar as a species of their own right that could actually somehow procreate if there were Jem'Hadar females. Isn't it, though, like, if they were left alone to develop on their own... I don't know. Would, would if, you know, would nature take over and start changing some of the males so that the series... The series? The species... <laughs> So that the species, oh my god! Uh, I mean, it's gonna be that kind of show. Some species can do that. 
Yeah, there there are uh, precedents yeah. in the animal kingdom plenty of, that plenty of insects can, can do change. that. There are some reptiles yeah. that can do that as well. One of our chickens, so, I think, is trying to do that because we were supposed to only have <laughs> hens, but one of them has started trying to crow like a rooster. <laughs> it's a non-binary rooster. Yeah, there we go. Or trans, it's a trans yeah. rooster. There you go. That's really what it is, is a trans rooster. Or in this case, you know, like maybe, maybe they were able to either find a medical way of changing that in their species so that they could have females and reproduce yeah. naturally and that's I thought we were still talking about trans roosters just then and i'm like <laughs> 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 medical they, they found a bit like smart trans roosters <laughs> i i was going back to the gemhadar the gemhadar i'm sorry i didn't make that clear <laughs> so i understand your confusion but you know maybe trans roosters become sentient and, or should I should I should say sapient? That's not. Sapient. Yeah, that's a little thing that's always that's that's got me a bit too. Ever since someone pointed this out to me, that like any time in Star Trek they 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 use the word sentient. What they mean is sapient. Yeah, that is what they mean. Just a lesson for you all. Hang on, let me just define sapient. <laughs> we'll wait while Vedic Smart looks up sapient. The word of the day is sapient. <laughs> S-A-P-I-E-N-T. Sapient. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you understand now, darling. I do understand. I, I thank you. <laughs> I think if you can, with the Jem'Hadar, they're, they're so... It, it, I won't say addicted to Ketrasel White, but they can't live without it. So it will be very interesting in the Picard era, like you say, to see where they've sort of fallen, even though they were pretty much driven out of the Alpha Quadrant. So we probably mm. would never see them in Picard, but to see them as something in... Oh, actually, no. That would be funny if we saw them in Lower Decks, I think. Mm. It's in like a sort of comical Jem'Hadar who's not addicted to Ketrasel White, but also you know, stuck in the Alpha Quadrant and everyone's scared of them and Boimler is like, ah, Gemma, <laughs> And then Mariner's like, no, it's cool, man. <laughs> I don't know. They would go on adventures together, Mariner and this Gemma. Oh, yeah, the, adv they would have adventures. <laughs> the adventures of Mariner and Gemma. Oh, wow. They'd have to start actually having names, you know. We can't just keep calling them all Gemma. Yeah. Didn't well, they? Don't they have names? Yeah, Amada Clan. Yep. Yeah. Or maybe I'm only the sure leaders got names. Because like but... he was he was one of the firsts. First from yeah. Clan. Or are you just calling him Fred? Fred the Jem'Hadar. You know, something okay. Well, I mean we've got we've got Linus the Saurian. <laughs> Nothing to say that, that non humans can't have human names. This is true. But you have to wonder, is Linus his actual name, or is it a name he assumed when he joined Starfleet? Oh, it could be, yeah. It could be, yeah. See, I can't think of anything other than Linus from Lost. <laughs> I, just... I think of Linus from Charlie yeah, Brown. Yeah, same. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because Linus doesn't sound like a very alien name, and maybe it his real name is hard to pronounce, and so... He decided to go by 
another name that people could pronounce doing it with Linus. That makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. Just a thought. When you say the Dominion as a whole, are you also thinking of the Vorta? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of had had them in, I have in my notes, like, the Dominion and then in brackets, especially the Jem'Hadar, because, like, they're the ones that I feel like there's the most kind of interesting stuff to unpack because of, like, the addiction to Ketrasol White and it seems like they were the ones, or there were at least a few groups of Jem'Hadar who were starting to move away from the Dominion and we did encounter some who weren't dependent on the Ketrasol White. Um, but, yeah, like... I think the Vorta as well, because they were, I don't know, like the ones that we met at least, you know, which was mostly um, Wayun, were just so fanatically devoted to the founders. Um, <laughs> Except that weird one um, that I also thought was six. somewhat semi-attractive. What was that, Randy? Uh, well, there was Wayun Clone 6 that didn't want to have anything to do with the Dominion, thought they were doing yeah, no, um, the wrong thing and wanted to defect. Is it? Is it... Keelan? Was that his name? Yeah. I can't remember any of the other names. The only other Vorta that I can think of off the top of my head is the is the one that was played by Iggy Pop in the in the Star Trek Does Weekend at Bernie's episode. Magnificent Ferengi. Yeah, that's this is the episode I'm talking about, but it wasn't the Iggy Pop one, it was the other one. Oh. Um, I need to watch that episode again. Oh, what's his name? He was he was captured on the planet, um, with and then Cisco was like, when when um, Cisco was marooned there and he gave Cisco all the Jem'Hadar's battle plans so that oh that that's rocks and shoals yeah yeah and um Kivan Kivan that's it this one yes right yeah, right him. he was I remember that episode. he's the one where like they killed him but they reanimated him somehow and he's like walking into the wall <laughs> that one was Iggy Pop yeah. No, that one wasn't Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop was the guy who was um, uh, the one to collect Kivon. <gasps> right. Also, as a side note with Iggy Pop, like my Christmas song of this year that I enjoyed the most was um, one by Kylie Minogue featuring Iggy Pop. And then like I can hear Iggy Pop in the background, but I can only hear it as a Vorta. <laughs> it's nice. I don't actually know what Iggy Pop looks like in real life because I've never like seen a picture or anything. So I can just imagine like Iggy Pop singing part of a Christmas song not as um, that Vorta. And yeah, that made my Christmas before what? everything. You know you have the internet right. I can look at a picture of Iggy Pop anytime yeah, you want. Yeah, but I don't want to ruin that image of Vorta singing Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, one that I would like and I feel like this is very, um, this is my more obvious one, I guess. Like, But I think I would love to see, and I think I've said it before, what the makeup department would do with a 32nd century Ferengi. Yeah, I would like to see that too. Because, I mean, they've doled up like the Andro- and- Andorians. I can't talk either. They've doled up the Andorians and made them look different. They really made the Tellarites look cool. Um, mm. And like they've done wonderful things with the Romulans, splitting them up into like you know they have don't all look the same, and the Klingons look awesome. So just be interesting to see what they do with the Ferengi, because I do think the Ferengi are possibly one of the most alien-looking races there are in Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. And then when it comes down to story, like what Rom does as Grand Nagus, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, 
and whether like that's all turned into an actual proper functioning society that isn't as greedy or whether it's turned into something future like Star Trek in the Federation or whether they even join the Federation. I feel like there have been references to the Ferengi in some of the episodes of the new season of Discovery. They've they mentioned Ferenginar. them being at like Emerald Chain Mercantile Exchanges and stuff. Mm. And like Ferenginar was written on a map when we were in um, Star Trek. Oh, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're there. That is true. Uh, we just don't know. They're there, but we haven't seen <laughs> any. We haven't seen them. That's the whole point. Seeing yeah. them. I mean, we saw one in Lower Decks, but... Eh. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not... It's They were playing to type, but for a very specific yeah. reason. Yeah. Whereas I think if we had like them... I'm surprised, actually, that the Emerald Chain is Orion and Andorian. Like... I would have thought that the yeah. Ferengi would have been part of that. Well, that's the weird thing about, you know, a millennium is <laughs> things evolve in ways you couldn't have possibly imagined. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Yeah. But I think, can you just imagine, do you reckon they would turn them into more comedy or do you reckon they could actually like turn them into like proper sort of like disgusting looking aliens out of a horror show? Um, Is there something in between? <laughs> Mm. Is there? Is there? <laughs> I I don't I don't want disgusting looking aliens that are turned into a horror show, <laughs> but I also don't want just straight up comedy relief either. Because mm. I mean they've got they've so. got the budget to make absolutely amazing looking things now. Yeah. Mm. Oh, could you imagine the teeth on a thirty second century Ferengi? Oh no, but imagine if they like ended up getting like really nice teeth. Instead, yeah, like, like just really big cheesy teeth that aren't. They stop filing them down. Just, yeah, they just uh, they don't have pointy teeth anymore. <laughs> it would be nice if they could just have straight up human teeth, and then that would eliminate a lot of the uh, speech problems when wearing Ferengi makeup <laughs> <laughs> and teeth. Um, we had them in Picard, though. We didn't see them physically, but we saw Quark's um, subsidiary on the Stardust City Rag Planet. Oh yeah. Mm. Yes. Go to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Don't walk. Run. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I guess it's my turn. Oh, yeah. Who Um, would you like to see, Brandy? Well, this may be a bit of a cheat because I can't remember if we ever actually saw one on Deep Space Nine, but I kind of want to know what the Betazoids are up to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because they got, um, I mean, we saw Roxana a few times. And then the last I remember hearing of them was when the Dominion overrun Betazoid, or Beta Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we saw Deanna in, uh, in Picard, but I want to know how the planet's doing. I want to know how the race is doing, what they're doing, uh, if they've evolved in any particular way past what they already were yeah. and yeah we saw Deanna also in Lower Decks but I just I want to know like in Discovery 32nd century what's going on there that pretty much applies to almost all the aliens yeah. that we're talking about is that I would like to see where they are in 3189 well I mean there's a lot of aliens in Star Trek that we would like to see I guess there are some we're more attached to um, that is true. With with Betazoids, it would be interesting to see, as you just said about whether they're whether they've evolved anymore, like whether they're 
empathy sensing it's evolved to the point where they've also got mind reading capabilities etc because i mean a thousand years is a long time i don't really know how (laughs) i mean i'm not a scientist of the biological sense but can something that rapid happen over a thousand years well with the right they are telepaths yeah yeah they're already telepaths so they can read minds deanna was half betazoid and so she didn't have full telepathy yes she could speak with her mother but that was really more a connection that was formed more by her mother than her wasn't that they could only read other betazoid minds or could they i no. Oh God! I've no, there were several occasions. I have completely there misunderstood TNG. <laughs> yes, you have. You have indeed, because in fact there was an episode that I can't even remember what had gone on. But you know, at the end of it, Loaxana is there causing trouble as she does. <laughs> She's you know being Loaxana, and at the end of the episode, oh, and by this way, by the way, this guy's totally lying, and he's going to assassinate so and so or something like that. I can't remember. But she had already read his mind and knew that he was not a good guy and told everybody. So, yeah, they are already telepaths. They can read minds. That's their thing. I completely misunderstood the whole point of Betazoids. I just thought they were just very empathic. Nope, that's what Deanna is. Because she's only half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even then it's like, I just can't work out what they're feeling. Oh, Deanna. Well... (laughs) And see, that's the thing. She was hobbled by the writers because they're like, oh, it would be really cool to have this character, but oh no, we can't have her really able to read minds because then that's just an easy way out of literally every mm-hmm. conflict. So they had to, you know, cap her knees and just make it, you know, and it's just like, really, really? Why don't you ever do that to male characters? You only ever seem to do that to mm-hmm. female characters. But times, they are a changing. Mm. So, but yeah, yeah, Beta Zed's Beta Zed is full of telepaths. So that would be interesting. Sorry about that, Liam. <laughs> well, I think I should. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they develop telekinesis. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I would love to be telekinetic. They're all Professor X now. <laughs> <laughs> They've all had to shave their heads. Let's hope they don't go Dark Phoenix path, because that would be bad. Can you imagine Deanna Troy as Dark Phoenix? <laughs> Actually, I could. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Actually, I could. Yeah, I just I, I just wonder about that. That is one of those things that, like, where are they? What are they doing in the 32nd century? Yeah. I don't know X-Men well enough to contribute to that part of the conversation. Oh my I, God. All I know is that Dark Phoenix is a reference, and is a reference to X-Men. Yeah, well, there's Phoenix, which was Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was Jean Grey. Yes. Right, okay. And uh, Phoenix is a cosmic space force. Yeah. And and then Dark Phoenix is bad Jean Grey. Okay. Or also possibly their daughter, Rachel Summers, from an alternate timeline. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Anyway. I love X-Men so Mm -hmm. much. To so quote Bob so Chipman, comics are weird. <laughs> Everything's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like comics are have the market cornered on weird. No, have they met us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We could give them a run for their money. Stones, glass houses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nick, we're back to you. What's another... 
All right. So, um, oh man, this is going to be very left field, but sorry, it's very, very heavily raining outside. So I hope that isn't mm. being picked up too much on my recording. Oh, it's, it's, I don't, um, I'm not worried about it. It's not like the thunderstorm that occurred through yeah. <laughs> the Jesse Gentle um, one. Yes. So, what was the thing? Yeah. Um, something that I have really, really liked with Discovery and kind of Deep Space Nine did this as well, where they took like, the Ferengi were like really silly in Next Gen and Deep Space Nine made them much more of like a serious, complex race. And I, and I like how Discovery seems to be doing that more. Like Discovery took like the Klingons and the Mirror Universe, which are two things that like, I, I thought were fine. Like I liked Klingons, but I thought that both of those, the way they were portrayed was a little bit one dimensional and silly in previous Star Trek. Discovery took it and made it something really serious and really interesting. Imagine what they could do with something like the Wadi, the guys who turn up with the with with the game. Oh, uh, with long oh no, nah. <laughs> yeah, no! Just imagine, imagine bringing them back because they are they are a society obsessed with games, mm. and like that could like work in really well with you know how extremely online and like into gaming our society is now. So if you wanted to do like a little social commentary episode with them that would could probably work really well and i i feel like the way discovery works and the way they take things a lot more seriously it'd be just fun to see them start with something that started out as a really silly not great episode and try and like weave more like nuance more kind of interesting stuff into it Mm. you know it's a it would be a challenge that i'd like to see them try it these are the alamorain guys aren't they Yes. Yes. What the hell is going on in your brain, young man? <laughs> hey, you could take something that a lot of people disliked and turn it into something interesting and fascinating. Hmm. You could. I'm just. I'm just trying to find something. Um, <laughs> I just don't see how. What what you could do? I mean, it wouldn't be something that you would put through in Picard. I mean, you could totally see them in Lower Decks. Yeah, I mean, unless they went back to like Free Cloud in Picard, and you just had like some of them hanging out there as like game merchants that or something. Work. Maybe they could be selling that weird headset thing from. Oh, the game! Yeah, the one that the makes TNG you episode, orgasm every time you get the ball in the cup or whatever the whole, the disc in the cup. That's basically what it was. Yeah. Come on, you know they were yeah. having orgasms. <laughs> I mean, half of these aliens, I don't want to have like partic- maybe even particular storylines based around. Sometimes just yeah. even seeing them and just working out where they are. Yeah. But that could actually be quite good if it was like a random episode of Discovery that, you know, Sonic is big and massive like they just had with... That's to Carl's like holographic program thing. Mm. Like if that were turned into, well, that could easily be turned into a game by the Wadi, I guess, with the kelp monster mm. as like the, you know, the boss or whatever. Yeah, there you go. That could be cool. It's like it turns out that the burn was the Wadi. And I mean, I know you've seen it, Randy. And to be honest, when this episode comes out, we'd have seen what happens at the end of season three. But. Actually, I haven't seen it because they have not sent me a screener. Oh, so you're finale. up to date. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you... mm. 
Okay. I was very mm. surprised, and I'm wondering if it's because New Year's was on the day that they would usually put it out, and maybe I'll get it Monday. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know at this point, but mm -hmm. I haven't gotten one, and that's weird because I did get one for Lower Decks. I got the screener for the season finale of Lower Decks a week before that happened, so I don't know what's going on over there. Cool. <sighs> it's this definitely the Wadi. There you go, Nick. You're going to get your yep. wish. <laughs> I don't know. There was all that holodeck stuff going on. I'm, I'm still holding out for Badgie. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> I know I am. Well, this is your first door that's open for us. I want to know where it goes. <laughs> Are you all right? Oh. I'll be okay. Some kind of ionic field. I brought this up. This is my fault. This is your fault. Mm -hmm. If you can see, you'll come with me. Watch this. Anyway. Alamorane, you'll come with me. Sorry, I, you can't mention that episode without subjecting anyone to that piece of shit. Brandy's terrified and upset at me, and I feel like no, I need to I'm leave. Not. No, it's not that at all. I was just thinking about that was the episode that made me believe that Alexander Siddig was not really putting a lot into his performance. <laughs> because, you know, there was that scene where basically they come across him and he's he's basically asleep and then he wakes up suddenly and screams, but it's the least convincing scream you will ever hear in your life. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, that didn't convince me of anything. I feel nothing. Mm. My favorite bit of that episode is basically Kira on an R visitor. You can tell it's an R visitor rolling her eyes just saying, why the fuck am I doing this? My second choice, and I'm trying to work out if I go even more left field or not. <laughs> but I'll, I'll pick my second choice, which is I want to see what's underneath a Breen helmet. Oh, yeah. Never going to happen. I completely <laughs> forgot about the Breen. I mean, definitely want to see more. They of the live green, on a though. frozen sort of ice planet, don't they? And they like the cold, and they need that uniform and the helmets to stay like cold in other climates. And I just want to see yeah. how awesome they must. They must look awesome underneath that helmet. I'm imagining they look like you know some sort of something similar to Tholians or something because Tholians don't like it super hot or something. I can't like remember. a sort of ice crystalline thing that would just sublime into gas at room temperature yes that would see oh. that would be so good so that's see, it's what weird I would... for me because i i definitely want to see more of the breen and i would i'd love to actually get to like explore their culture a bit i'm not sure if i actually want to like the mystery of what they look like under the armor to be solved i feel like that's one of the few things that i actually really like remaining a mystery well they destroyed that mystery in the novels mm. was it I know that there is something that describes them as being like weirdly wolf-like. Is that the one in the novels or is that just some other fan thing? That must be a fan thing because in, oh gosh, I'd have to look up, look up which book it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. I can see the cover in my mind, but I can't remember the title. Um, it was one in a series where each uh, book in the series is part of a larger story but it focuses on different crews from different series so but the first one had to do with Bashir 
uh, reuniting with Serena and working for Section 31 on this mission to infiltrate, I don't know if it was the Breen homeworld or if it was a Breen base, I can't remember. And uh, as it turned out, they weren't any one species. They were just a bunch of other species hiding under armor. So, oh, that's yeah. They were a variety. That was was that one of the Typhon Pact books? Yes, thank you, Typhon Pact. It was the yeah. first one in the Typhon oh, cool. Pact series. I really got to read them. So, oh, I just spoiled it. I'm so sorry, but that's what I, they did. I don't mind. I mean, they've they, those books have been out books. for so long, and I haven't gotten around to reading them. I'm amazed that I've avoided the spoilers that I have. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was not into that book very much. It was hard for me to get through, but I did eventually mm. finish it. It did have Esri in it. That was cool. Nice. Um, liked that a lot. And, you know, they were zipping around the galaxy with slipstream dives at that point. So, yeah. fun there. But, uh, yeah, that was that was the direction they took in the books. So, I don't know. I don't know what the canon mm. thing would be. I think I quite like mine and Nick's idea of being some kind of ice crystal and then like Nick said you know, basically shatter or something Ooh. I think that's cool and we don't even have to see them for very long in Discovery we could just see them you know being part of the uh, da, 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 the Emerald Chain like you know the people that were on the Discovery that you know mm. put the thing on Stamets head and I'm like oh my god they oh, got helmets please be Breen but they weren't obviously it would be, no. be really cool to see just like the Breen suit of like armor or whatever it is with today's like um the prop making costuming technology yeah Mm -hmm. you could 3d print all of that now it'd look amazing Mm -hmm. i don't even need to know anything else about them i think for me it's just seeing what they are just kind of like how colburn is in the how fact that that computer program rendered the earring onto him showing that even that far in the future the bajorans are still part of the there or that the faith is still there strong. are at least still yeah worshiping those pastor prophets right the pastor prophets. there's one and i my brain i know who i know what i'm talking about so remember the episode where's that alien is chased onto deep space nine where he's actually been bred to be prey tosk that was one of mine too tosk thank you yeah i want to know about them same i want to see them yeah, because he was specifically bred to be prey for these for the hunters, mm-hmm. um, uh, and also he could shroud himself in the same way that the Gem Hadar could. And I was just reading about this one, like on Memory Alpha, and apparently, so like the production notes for when they introduced the Gem Hadar a bit later on, they wanted like the shroud effect to be exactly the same to imply that that the Tosk. Or like if that was his name or his species, whatever, were also engineered by the founders as like a gift to the hunters or something. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to see that one too. I mean, not gonna lie, nice. I'm not entirely sure I want to. Okay, that's fair. Um, guys, I just have to answer my phone because it's just gone off three times, and I'm like, mm, Good grief. it could be something. So give me a sec, sorry. Yep. Sure. Yep. This break brought to you by Liam needing to answer his phone. (laughs) Do you need to answer your phone while you're in the middle of something? Then take a cue from Liam, excuse yourself politely, and answer your phone. (laughs) 
Oh, dear. Ah, it's all good. Mm. I have another one, but I can't, again, can't remember the name of the alien. And yeah. It's, at like least there's some... I think it's Deep Space Nine, but it's one I don't want to see again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish, because I remember, like, before I started, oh, maybe I can just say this properly. Sorry, I submitted a report okay. yesterday um, to the Department of Child Services because there's a lady over the road that has, like, shouts at her children so much that it sounds like a roaring anger. Oh, and I'm just like, Ooh, I'm just not confident that that child isn't being hit. So I just feel like mm -hmm. I need to do the right things, report it, and then be like, okay, if they you. don't do anything, yeah, then I've done as much as I can. So that yeah. was them. And I'm like, can you call back in about an hour? So... Good call. Very well done. Not a lot of people would even take that step, so well done you. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, where were we? So, right. yeah, we're, we're back to Nick then, because... Should we okay. do the one that we don't want to see? Oh, yeah, I'm, I've got that... Mine, <laughs> mine uh, next pick is one I don't want to see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yes, well, I think the, my next one on the list... Oh, dear, I don't really have anything now, because the, the next one I had, it was the same as you, Brandy. It was uh, Tosk slash The Hunters. Because, mm. um, again, like I feel like this is a case where it is it is something that just turned up in one episode. It was there and it was gone. And there could be more to explore mm. um even you know however briefly just to be like oh this could be a fun thing to have turn up in discovery where we now have you know saru and the kelpians and their history uh so the idea of them finding sort of some kind of kindredness with the tosk mm. if you know hopefully 800 however many years later they're not still being uh, bred for you know hunting for sport, but yeah. because the Kelpians of this time of the thirty second century, they would only know based on the past. But Saru would know what it yes. feels like because he went through it obviously in the twenty third century. Exactly. So there would be a sort of strong connection there. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who else do we see? Who else turns up? Do you want my one that I don't want to see? Yes, please. Sure, yeah. The fucking Screans. I hate them. Oh, it's with the Screans. So the Screans are the main aliens from the episode Sanctuary. They come through the wormhole from the Gamma Quadrant and they're like, oh, it's some prophecy or something said we'll find this and then on the other side there'll be a planet that will give us fertile land or something because they make a big deal about them being farmers. And the Screans are like those aliens that basically look human Except they're a matriarchal society, and their faces look like they've got oatmeal or like porridge stuck to their oh, face. Right. And the right. main female's hair is like bright orange, which is fine, like because Jordan's ginger. But it looks like she's got some kind of metal bar in her head that sticks six foot above from her head, and her hair goes over the top of it. And I just hate everything about them. Mm. <laughs> And I hated the whole story. Right. It's like, we're farmers. All we want to do is farm. You've got fucking spaceships. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't appreciate that because they made them a matriarchal society. And I just thought, yeah, this is misogynist right up in here. Let's just not do this, okay? Mm. Mm. But that's just that was just my feeling because <laughs> I'm like, okay. 
Right. Because, you know, if they did something like that today, they could probably do it in a way that didn't make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. But back in the 90s, it was definitely misogynistic. So, yeah. you know, no thanks. The um, other part of that is one of the males um, is played by Walter Koenig's son. Oh, really? Oh. Yep. Because I was Googling that yesterday. I sort of ended up down like a rabbit hole of things. I'm like, the bloody screens. I don't like them. And I was looking. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that guy was kind of like, if he didn't have his like oatmeal makeup on, etc., could look probably okay. And then I Googled who it was. I'm like, Alex, I think it's Alexander Koenig or something. I can't quite remember. And I'm like, oh, no, he died not long ago. And then I'm like, oh, Koenig. Oh, he might be Walter Koenig's son. And then, yeah, that's ended up on a Wikipedia hole. It's Koenig. Nope, it's Koenig in my world. <laughs> it's Koenig. Pronunciation of a person's name, doing that properly, is a sign of respect. Therefore, it is Koenig. I have never heard it properly said, so I've always just read and it I as Koenig. <laughs> nope, hmm. it's Koenig. It's actually Jernum. Jernum? I was hoping I could fudge that and you wouldn't notice. The uh, pronunciation of someone from a particular country is a deep sign of respect if you do it correctly. You know what? Shut your fucking face, okay? You know what I'm going through today. German. It's German. Yeah, no. Okay, Walter Koenig. So they're the ones that I would not like to see because I feel like they're the most painful aliens in Deep Space Nine. And they're the ones that I jump to immediately when I think of something I dislike from the show. All right, well, here's one that I don't want to see um, because I just did not find them interesting or anything. It was I didn't like the episode in which they showed up. I don't want to see Elasians anywhere. I don't care. I don't care. That's... Is that Melora Palzar's mm-hmm. pa- Palzar's species? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I've got to find it. Star Trek. Yeah. Did not I just, I... enjoy that episode. It's just it's just basically another humanoid alien with a bumpy forehead, except yeah. they come from a low gravity area and so low gravity planet, and so uh, they can't exist in yeah. your typical Earth gravity because it will basically break them. I feel like you couldn't have them nowadays anyway, but because of the expanse. Like if you mm-hmm. were if you were trying to portray a, a species like that in Star Trek, and we're like, oh, they're just doing the Belthers from the expanse. Yes, well, and actually, they did it better in the expanse than they did in Star Trek. Because they actually hired really, really lanky, tall people to play them. Mm-hmm. They can't do practically what the belters would really look like according to the books but they Hmm. did as close as they possibly could and it still works for me and it's a much more interesting origin and story and they just did everything better in that regard whereas there is this one-off with this one annoying woman that is just yeah she's a poor me (laughs) i just can't stand yeah i mean uh melora is so she also features in the star trek titan books and is not entirely likable in those books either if i can remember oh goody there's some there's some weird stuff in those books i've never read them and i don't know that there's there's enough there's enough good for me to say that i'd say most of them are worth Mm it um there's definitely like a few weird characters and it does suffer a little bit from from the authors just being like, oh, hey, this random character from here, I'll just, like, 
pick them from that episode and now they are the like chief science officer on this ship and stuff it's got a few fun little references like one of their security officers is um Pava Eknor Shakwabar, who is um one of the characters from the old Star Starfleet Academy comic books, which I read when I was a kid. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, sometimes it's fun when they like pick and choose from different little things. Uh, other times it's very like I hate using the term fan fictiony in a derogatory way because there's a lot of really good fan fiction out there. There but, is, yes. But there's also a very unique type of bad writing that you almost only ever see in bad fan fiction, which which is the the author insert or the I want to take this particular character and play with them my way mm-hmm. kind of thing, and and not writing them in the way that the character is meant to be written. So, and there's a little bit of that in a lot of the Star Trek novels, unfortunately. Yeah, when whenever you see a fan fiction that has the tag OOC, that means out of character. Stay away. Stay <laughs> yes. away. I'm you will not be happy. Well, if it's a porno, then it's just a porno. Yeah, and then all bets are off. <laughs> I, I I would say that fan fiction does not equal porno. No, porno no, no. Porno does no. pop up in fan fiction. I said unless. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the elation, I she was to me she's so forgetful that I had to look just look her up. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I can't forget her because I detested her. And look, re- remembering the episode and watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool idea. Bringing up the expanses you did, though, like, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes totally much more sense what they did on the expanse. And also, it quickly reminded me of the security chief female from uh, the Orville, but her planet's the opposite. Yes. She has, like, doesn't she have, mm-hmm. like, super strong gravity or something? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. and she actually started having a problem from being in Earth gravity mm. for too long that she was losing her strength yeah. because of it, and she was having trouble just walking when she was back on her home planet. Mm. So, so again, I thought that was probably better mm. done than <laughs> that mm-hmm. BSI uh, yeah. episode. Agree. Yeah, but then again, it's also like twenty years later. There's that too. Yeah, that does help. Do either of you have another one that you would like to see? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think the problem is for me, it, it, yeah, there are so many, especially in like maybe the first couple of seasons, so many aliens that just show up either in the background or they're just there. Um, and they are so forgettable. That it's like, I feel like it would be cool if they turned up again, just as like a background, like Easter egg reference. It was like, oh, hey, like the the, the market scene in... um. Uh, was it episode two of Lower Decks mm-hmm. where you've got just all all the little Easter egg references in the background? So many. That's cool. Like if we if we go to another like exchange or like the Emerald Chain or something like that. Yeah. But I th- I think I don't think there is anything in in Deep Space Nine that that like annoys me to the point that I'd be like I don't want to see that again at all. But there are certainly some that I'm like oh I feel like we've seen everything we need to. Mm. I'm trying to think. Like I have I have one, but Yeah, yeah. I'll go for it. It's really out there and kind of like, huh? But technically it's still an alien. I wanna know how the wormhole aliens have evolved after spending so much time with a human. Mm. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. Have they learned how t- linear time works yet? <laughs> um, <laughs> <it's> just... Linear time. <laughs> 
What mm. is this? <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> a, a thousand years later. Baseball. Yeah, I just I would oh, I, I would think that you know that they're capable of learning. So I just want to know how that worked with Cisco going off to live with the wormhole aliens for a while. Wouldn't it be funny if Cisco comes back outside as a wor- as a wormhole alien? <laughs> It will never happen. It, it won't, because <laughs> Avery Brooks won't want to be in another Star Trek show. But Mm-mm, They'd have mm. to recast the role, but yeah. But that would be quite amusing. It would be interesting to see, because we've got the Bajorans. It, they may end up... They've been very careful not to mention Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They mentioned Deep Space... 265. 294 yeah. or whatever it was in the last episode something. of Discovery. Two-something. I can't remember what, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh god, they've got more than 200 of them now. Mm. And they'll be out there on their own doing nothing because they can't be gotten to. Yeah. Mm. And they can't communicate because subspace relays have been damaged. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, even the ones that we have seen a little bit of, I'd love to see more about the Bajorans. Mm. Like, I'd love to see how they're doing 25 years after the Dominion War in, like, the time of Star Trek Picard. And I'd love to see how they're doing... 800 years later in like Star Trek Discovery Season 3 timeline. Yeah. Could be interesting. I think they could do a really good story around the Prophets. I think so. I think so too. And seeing as Deep Space Nine seems to be going through a massive resurgence in popularity based on its story being a lot more closer to something you would see nowadays anyway, that it could it could well be something yeah. that could tie in quite well. Maybe in Picard, to make Picard a bit better, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yes, in your opinion. See, it's not a fact, it's oh, just an still... opinion. I know, I know, I've taught you well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want my last one, which is like the yes. most bizarre one? Sure, yeah. Yes, so I'm ready. These aliens don't have a name. Well, they do, sort of. They've never spoken in Deep Space Nine. You only see them wandering around the promenade or sitting in quarks, that they're mostly wandering around. Michael Westmore called them the tailheads. They're in memory beta, they're oh, called the Chandir or something, about. or the Chandir. But they're like those aliens that are like sort of ribbed on the front all the way down, and they got like an elephant trunk on the back of their head. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I think just because like... Even in the scene in the in the couple of episodes ago from Discovery, they had like some really like out there looking aliens in the holodeck sequence where like the admiral was like clapping, etc., mm-hmm. admitting Kelp- uh, Kaminar into the Federation. They could have something like the Shandir, yeah, as an actual hmm. featured alien. And I don't know, I could just imagine them like whipping people with their trunks and like reading about them in the um, Star Trek Adventures RPG. They can make music with their trunks. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's where that comes from. Because that is... So I mentioned the, the Titan novels. Uh, the most recent one I read is um, Over a Torrent Sea, uh, which is actually one of the really good ones um, where they visit a, an ocean planet. Like the entire planet is just made of water. And yeah, one of the characters, I think... Uh, I think he's one of the science officers on board the ship. is uh, is a Chandia, and they use that word in this because um, uh, it's it's the memory, it's the beta canon, it's all the novels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is a lot because they encounter these. They call them 
squales, because they're kind of like squid whales, other native inhabitants of this planet, that communicate through song, like whales. Um, and this guy is one of the characters who, yeah, he can could produce songs with the like the big echoing head tail thing. And it is like part of the effort to like try and understand the, the local language on this planet that they go to. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Exactly. Yes. Over a torrent sea. Hmm. I don't quite understand. I'm, I'm just sort of looking things up. <laughs> Apparently there's something <laughs> called the flaming idiot fish in that novel as well. <laughs> it was, yes. It's like radio. Because it turns out... Uh, because the 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 squales are you know there's no like nothing inorganic there's no technology on the planet but the squales have somehow managed to like over millions of years evolve like to be able to manipulate the genes of different species and they have yeah i'm pretty sure those are the ones that they had basically manipulated to be their own prey because <laughs> these fish would just basically swim into the mouths of their predators <laughs> or something like that wow but yeah they <laughs> Well, there you go. And that's why one of one of the characters sees that and is like, "Oh, that's a flaming idiot fish." <laughs> <laughs> Possibly named by uh, the character Lieutenant Balaji, who is uh, written to be Indigenous Australian. Oh, cool! That's what I yeah. want to see in the future. Sure. An actual Indigenous Australian character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I more more diversity among the like human characters in general. Like we're getting a bit of it, but like uh, especially like after recently watching um, the new season of the Man- Mandalorian. Uh, a, I want to see Tim Ware Morrison in Star Trek, <laughs> or uh, you know any like Maori actors in general, and also like the way he fights in that show as Boba Fett is using a lot of moves from the the haka and like traditional like war and like spear dances from maori culture like that's that's cool and i i loved that aspect of it anytime when like not only they get uh actors from uh indigenous and minority groups but they bring their own culture into the characters that they're playing yeah I think at the end of the day, we can we want to see some alien species from around the franchise, but we still got some minority groups that aren't well represented in Star Trek, and um, I don't ever recall yeah. anyone wearing like. And forgive me if I'm I'm going to name this wrong. I'm sorry, um, but more like a headscarf, like a character, a hijab, like a hijab. Yeah, hijab. that's the word. Yeah. Um, a character wearing a hijab that would be cool. I think that's something that we need to see. There was a. Character, there was at least a a Sikh in the background of one of the shots in the shuttle bay in the USS Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Some, someone wearing yes, a turban. That's, I mean, I mean, more of a major character. Yeah. Yes. But yes, there was that. And 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 I would like that too. And it would be a really good way to to address the the differences between organized religion and religion as culture, which is a whole huge discussion in itself. But it's like. People are always like, oh no, there were, there's, you know, humans have evolved past superstition and religion in the 24th century, but it's, it's, it's obviously that is not the case and that is not going to be true. Like there would obviously still be people who have their own 
personal beliefs and and cultural practices like you know wearing a turban or a headscarf or anything like that it doesn't even have to be tied to the religious belief because it is part of the culture that goes along with it agreed yeah it's kind of sad. I just I just stepped up onto a soapbox there. No, it's okay because it, just thinking about it, it's kind of sad that NCIS Los Angeles is more progressive about showing diversity than Star Trek at the moment. Because mm-hmm. yes, they had someone, a recurring character that I liked very much, who wore a hijab, and everybody was just fine with it. Which is really good for a show like NCIS because I remember watching it when I was younger and like it's a. It was a perfectly fun show, but as a lot of, you know, American military-based shows kind of tended to cast Arabic or Muslim people as the bad guys a little bit too often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is good to know if, if this is like a... To be fair... You know, one, of the, one of the protagonists. To be fair, NCIS did have a character for several years that was Mossad. So, mm. yeah. And she was the main character. Yeah, yeah. Ziva. Ziva was a cool character. Yes, she was. Although Mossad are um, the Israeli special services who are, of course, allied with the US. Yes. But still, it's showing yeah. them in a... Yes. Because they were all suspicious of her at first before she actually joined the team and she they thought she was mm. a spy and all kinds of stuff. That was so typical. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I want to go back and watch NCIS. That was a fun show. Which one? They've got like three of them. I mean, the original was great. Like Gibbs was cool. Gibbs is still cool. Gibbs will always be cool. I I I was unsure if it still wasn't is. Like I had. It's been so long since I've watched it. I didn't know if the show was still going. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it to is. hear it is. It is. All of them are. <sighs> is NCIS New Orleans any good? Because I know it's got Scott Bakula in it. I like it. And I and I want to watch Scott Bakula. Even if it's not as good as you would like, it's Scott Bakula. And it also has, oh my god, what's her name? It was the woman who played um, Vajazel in that episode Hmm. of... Oh, really? Yeah. She is is on, she started last season, was it the season before? I'm getting my seasons mixed up. Uh, Because they sent Pride to be the head of a bigger office... And she took over as the immediate leader of that team. Not that Pride can stay away from his team because he keeps getting involved in stuff that he's not supposed to, where he's supposed to be looking at the bigger picture, wackiness ensues. But yeah, so I that's why I was staring at her that entire episode going, I've seen her before. Where have I seen her? And so I had to finally look it up. And I'm oh, 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 in CIS New Orleans. Hey. So... What now? Who? Which, what, who what? Who, you, who was she in Star I can't Trek? remember the actor's name. Yes. But, Picard? Yeah. Vajazel? Oh, Vajazel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Or Vajazel, as I like to call her. <laughs> well, I mean, no comment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise I know it's Vajazel, but I call her Vajazel. Well, I'm actually not going to lie. That's, that's what, what I thought like. you said. And I'm like, hang on. Yeah. Did she say what I thought she said? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did say that thing. Oh, uh, dear. Yes, I said that thing. Well, I'm I'm out of uh, people. Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good enough discussion. We've had our fun. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, we could 
you know, say we want uh, final thoughts, but I feel like retroactively, you know, saying that it would be good to have more like human diversity mm-hmm. is a really good final thought to leave it with. I think so. I would, I would like to see more human diversity and discovery has done more, I think, than any of the other Trek oh, yeah. series. And I think that they'll do even more in the future. So I look forward to that. Yes. Just, just keep, keep doing it and keep pushing that envelope. Exactly. Well, I'm really hoping that Strange New Worlds has Amrit Kaur. If I'm again, sorry I'm if I've too. pronounced the name wrong, but like, because we don't, from memory, we don't really, or I don't think we've ever had a character of Indian or Pakistani descent that's in Starfleet. We've had Ash Tyler, who is of um, Shazad Latif, who is of Pakistani descent, but again, potentially evil character. Yeah, too, was I mean, yeah, no, good no, eventually, you, but, you know yeah, what I mean. But like, that's I'm sort of thinking <laughs> no, that no. you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my final thought. We've got plenty of new shows that are coming, and hopefully, that all sorts of human diversity will show up in across. Maybe not in all in one show, but across the new the new golden age yeah. of the franchise. I'm going to call it the platinum age. To be fair, um, when we had Ketwalski on many moons ago, and he was talking about, um, he sent links of uh, screen tests and auditions for characters, new characters on Strange New Worlds. And all of the screen tests slash auditions that I saw, they were all women, and none of them were white. So, progress. Cool. Working well. Progress. I mean, because we've got mm. Christopher Pike, we've got Spock, Ethan Peck, and we've got Rebecca Remain. I mean, they're all white. Yep. So, fingers crossed. I mean, hopefully Samora Smallwood comes in as well. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. I would hope that they would keep those characters that they showed us at the end of Season 2 of Discovery. Yeah. Because we formed a, a connection to them, mm. I think, is fair to say. Yeah. So... Yeah. Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs. I will watch him in anything. Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs. Make him the doctor. Also, just quickly, and I know that we're going to know this potentially by the time this episode goes out, but the Federation president mm-hmm. has been name-dropped to exist. Obviously, we know mm-hmm. it exists as Star Trek fans, but it's been name-dropped, so surely they're going to show it at some point. And Nick, if it is the Doctor from Voyager, oh my god. <laughs> because me and Jordan sat there last night trying to think of people or <laughs> alien species that could potentially be alive in 3189. And we're like, well, the Doctor, because he's a hologram, potentially the Dax symbiont. They're the only two. And if they're going to be like a oh, big reveal of oh, someone, maybe. it's... It, it's gonna yeah. have to be something like that, but I just got that when they when they when he was talking about the the Eli hologram, they're like, "Oh, we gave him a trustworthy face or the face of someone we know to be trustworthy." I'm like, "Oh, so does is is that what the Federation president looks like then?" Mm. I thought he said it wasn't based on anyone; that was just computer generated. Sorry. That's what he told us. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was very deliberately mentioning well where's the federation president like why would you mention that what if there actually isn't one and they're just saying that there is oh 
Okay. What if it's an AI? What if I get my dream and we finally get like a, a well, we're already getting um, Zora, I guess. So we are getting like a a good AI in control of that things. That was creepy as yeah. fuck. An AI fun. that is friendly and caring and loving. Because the, uh, the, the examples that I've seen in uh, television and video games never turn out well. So if they could do that without, you know, the AI becoming a murderer, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. That's why I love the culture books, the the Ian M. Banks series, because like there is there's a lot of AIs in that, like from little like personal drones that that fly around, or like these massive artificial intelligences that can control these massive, massive, massive starships. Um, and they're all just like they know that it is their job to care for. I mean, this is not just humanity. Like the culture is like the Federation. There's hundreds of different species, but it's mostly portrayed as humans or human like creatures and all of the ais and that are just like with with one exception because it's like they have the power to basically do whatever they want they are that powerful but they they just they don't because they have a strong sense of morality and the one exception so far is in one of the books called accessions uh who's the ai of a ship called the ethics gradient um and basically what it does is it's not even malicious but it just it enjoys kind of messing with humans a little bit in more of like a a, a low-key trickster god kind mm-hmm. of way to the point that it's earned the nickname amongst its fellow ais of meat fuck <laughs> what because <laughs> it enjoys fucking around with with uh with organic beings <laughs> Ian M. Banks was a very, very peculiar man, but he wrote fantastic books. That's my favorite thing that I've heard today. Meat fucker. <laughs> well, I see. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> on that note. Well then. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, on, on that, that note. note yeah. <laughs> finish on a fun meat, on a meat way out tangent. High. <laughs> yeah, I cannot use that as a title, but boy, it sure is a temptation. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the grey area, not the ethics gradient. Yeah. Oh, fake culture. <laughs> we have ridiculous right, guys. All of the starships in that in those books have really, really bizarre names because the AIs are weird and they come up with them themselves my favorite is always uh, the general contact unit of course i still love you <laughs> well you know it's no worse than peanut hamper so. oh don't i love peanut hamper <laughs> i love peanut hamper so much i mean if we hadn't already oh, seen peanut. peanut hamper i probably peanut oh. hamper. <laughs> the exocomp was definitely something that i did want to see turn up again you know honestly if we were just taking from any series what we'd like to see in current trek there would have been a lot of, well, like far too many options so i'm glad that we actually mm. put it within the deep space nine context because oh uh, yes we are a deep space nine podcast oh yeah <laughs> keep forgetting that we just talk about what we want and it relates to DS9 usually. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and Liam record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. 
You can keep up to date with our episode releases over on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly, and also please join us on our listeners community called The Nexus on Facebook. Just search for The Nexus and you should be able to find it. Join the discussion about all new episodes of, well, by the time this episode goes out, just all the episodes of uh, on Holosuite Media because we won't have any new Star Trek for the first time in like six months, which would be <laughs> very, very sad. You can find me on Twitter at LS74656 if you're mad enough to want to follow me. And on this network, on this network, (laughs) (laughs) and on this network hosting the Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast with Suzanne. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting Boldly Go with Suzanne, our Strange New Worlds podcast, What the Future Holds with Dave and Chris with our Star Trek Discovery podcast, and on Twitter at BrandyWine12, Brandy with an I, 12 is a number. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Holosuite Media Network. Vedics disassemble. Vedics disassociate. <laughs> 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 this show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. But I just want, I wish that more straight, cis, white guys said things like that and realized things like that. And I, please continue to to try and show them the way. (laughs) I try. And of course, I have responsibility too. I am, I am cisgender and I am white, you know, even though I'm, I'm a homo. So (laughs) uh, I think that's great, Nick. I think we should just wrap the show now and end on that note. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Before that timepiece stopped working. Mm-hmm, that really because ugly, he saw it in the shop window. That really ugly timepiece. When I first watched it, I thought, okay, yes, this is a clock that maybe somebody puts on their desk or mm-hmm. on a wall somewhere. But later we see somebody pull the same thing out of their pocket. Do they not have watches? oh it's like one of those like huge clunky mobile phones that all they ever did was like call people it's like nope this is just a big clock for my pocket it's something that flavor Flav should be wearing around his neck it's that big and obnoxious is that a clock in your pocket or are you just happy to see me (laughs) oh no no it's it's just a clock it's most definitely a clock Loading Holosuite Preview Program for What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery Podcast. Look at previous Star Trek series where they appealed to the male gaze. Mm-hmm. You had Seven of Nine. You had those episodes T'Pol. of mm. Enterprise. Yeah, Paul when they're in their little decompression chamber or whatever. Yeah, they're, yeah, mm-hmm. when they're in yeah their let's undies. objectify the male a little bit. Every yeah. Now. yeah, equal <laughs> rights. It's nice to change it up. Right. See, if you're going to objectify a woman, then you've got to objectify a man to balance it out. Because then right. it's not... It's about time. No kidding. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.